Get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, save, retire, and service deals today. Dobbs. With 43 locations, real deals are always close by. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Time now for the balloon party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Well, happy opening day, Jackson. Can't wait. It's like Christmas to me right now. Today is Christmas. I've officially changed it from December 25th uh, to October 18th. Good luck with that over the next hour. It is Balloon Party 101 ESPN. My name is Timothy Michael McKernan. Standing across from me is the man who is celebrating uh, what he has moved. He's moved Christmas up to uh, October 18th uh, for the NBA opening up their season, a program that really solicits your involvement. And before we could even start, hey, Jackson, before you get started, no one cares that the NBA starts tonight. I mean, that was a that was a preventative text sent in before the program even got underway. I know, and it didn't work, which is probably really frustrating for that person, especially because a lot of people care. Ton. Either way. Jackson is celebrating his version of Christmas today. Uh, your thoughts are welcome, and uh, feel free to get involved. 65780, or uh, use the 101 ESPN app to leave a mic drop, and uh, we will play those uh, coming up here on the program. Uh, Chris Kerber with us today, right? Chris Kerber, what time 10 is 15. 15. Chris segment. Kerber going to be with us coming up in a matter of moments here on Balloon. Jackson, uh, last night the Yankees game was postponed, and that allowed the Yankees to Move pitching around. That's Very huge. Very advantageous. That's huge. I'd rather have Nestor Cortez in there than a lot of guys. And that's who uh, will be pitching for them, but the Guardians are not able to make a change, or at least are not making a change. Now, Cortez will be pitching on short rest. Oh, I always hesitate on the short rest thing. Yeah. Unless you've done it before, it can throw you off. And I recall in 2011, let me take you back. Would, Ooh, anybody, like a, would anybody like a story? Everyone's hands raised. I just looked back and I saw Mike Ryder and Tommy Maddern, and neither one of their hands were raised. They seem unfazed. Right. <laughs> no, Todd, they just raised their hands. They just raised <laughs> They would like us to. Once again, just Jackson just lying to this audience, and I am furious. I will have you pinned up against a wall with my thumb in your chest, assuming I can get up there. Yeah, I beat you to it, though, Uh, (laughs) in the commercial break before Chris Kerber joins us. In 2011, Chris Kerber, uh, Chris Carpenter, also Chris Kerber, Chris Carpenter said that had he not pitched on short rest against the Phillies, he would not have known how to handle pitching on short rest against the Rangers in Game 7. Mm. Fun facts for no one tell. That's, that's great knowledge. It is great knowledge. That's because it's coming from me, and therefore it is, by default, great. So, you might be going, oh, Nestor Cortez, advantage Yankees. I don't know how much time uh, Nestor Cortez has had pitching on short rest. My guess is he's never done it before. That's my guess is. Right. Because it's not like he's a like a veteran. Garrett Cole, yeah. you know, who you're going, oh, he's been pitching in the playoffs forever, uh, and he's an ace. So all I'm telling you is this, keep an eye on it. Oh, yeah. 
and then I'll take it. No, let's, let's extrapolate, all right? Yeah, please. If the Yankees lose in the first round, here are two things that will happen. And I'll, if you want me to put it in predictionary, or if you want to b- send me another 20 bucks. No, I'm out on that. You're out, you're done betting me? No, not till payday. Uh, that either Aaron Boone or Brian Cashman will not be with the New York Yankees in a matter of uh, weeks. They will be, one of will be terminated. Do you agree with that? You probably yes. don't want to tell Oh, you agree with that anyway? Well, Boone, like if they lose tonight, yes, I believe that Boone will no longer be the manager okay. of the Yankees. All right. So then there will no be, there will be no wager. No, I do, uh, I do agree. Then I will take it now down another lane and you will have a number of people, which I think is good, talking about uh, a need to re-examine baseball's playoff format. I think that is a good thing. Now, as I said yesterday when I was making the observation that three of the four teams that got through the wild card round and currently two of the three teams who have gotten through the LDS are the underdogs. I mean, the National League, so often on this show, we talked about the depth of talent in the National League. But for the most part, we were talking about the Dodgers, the Braves, the Mets, the Cardinals, and the Padres. Well, now that depth has been reduced to the five seed and the six seed in the National League. And in the American League, the Astros are there, but you could have what I think most people would agree of the six division champions, the weakest of the six. Two central teams. Yeah, in, in, in the ALCS. So I think a lot of people would say, well, you know, the NHL used to have everybody go into the playoffs, and then they eventually got to a point of having best of sevens to try to reduce the variance of a best of what at the time was best of five. Um, and the NBA used to have best of fives in the opening round. Right. And in an attempt to reduce the luck factor, they expanded it. Well, the Cardinals had what was a great season, a 93-win season. I, I can't do revisionist history here and go, because they lost in two games to the Phillies, that it was a bad season. I was entertained. They were aggressive at the deadline, the Albert Pujol storyline, the Paul Goldschmidt storyline. Uh, you know, I was ridiculously entertained, and they did win 93 games. Do I think they were in 93 games if they're in the East or the West? No, I do not. But it doesn't change the fact that I thought it was a great season. And the fact that they lost in two games to the Phillies will not take away from my memories of the 2022 season. But you had a team that won 93 games have approximately a 30-hour stay in the playoffs. And they won a division, too. So it's difficult to talk about winning a division as being a significant accomplishment if it gets you two games. Right. And so from my standpoint, baseball needs to do what the NHL, the NBA, did, which is for these long seasons, different than the NFL, 16, 17 now, game season, the NBA and NHL, an 82-game season, 162 for baseball, that you have at the very least, best of fives, if not best of sevens. The problem, of course, with most of the ballparks at this moment being outdoors without retractable roofs, you get into playing games into mid-November if you don't reduce the schedule. And you're not going to reduce the schedule because now you're going to take revenue out of the pockets of both the owners and the players. And so I don't see it happening. But the integrity of the competition and the integrity of winning a division championship is reduced as you expand the Major League Baseball playoff field. And so while usually I pull for the Yankees, just because I like to see them in there, just because it adds to it to me, like a Guardians-Phillies World Series. Doesn't move the needle. Wow. 
Uh, so with that said, I wouldn't mind seeing them lose because I think we got a problem with the playoff system. Yeah, agree. That's where I'm coming from. Yeah, I think I think it's it, it struck me as odd. You have the longest season by a healthy margin, and a game that probably you can make the argument leads to the most variance. Like one game of baseball is certainly not a test of who is the better team. A series is a much better test where you only have to get two wins and your 162-game season, the longest season by far, gets is over like that. Whereas 82-game seasons, both NFL or NHL and NBA, get decided by best of sevens, and football is a whole different animal. But it, it's, it's just odd that your season could be over like that, even though... You know, you've played so much baseball. And I get your point. Like, if they were to go best of seven, you're going to be playing games. Yeah, it's not possible. But then it's, I just, then are they going to reduce regular season games? My my premise is also, I want to emphasize this. Um, This is not based on the Cardinals losing. I I was observing this before the the Cardinals could still be in it. And if you had what we've had happen, where you've had a bunch of the underdog teams winning and the bye week teams at the very least, and also I should point this out. I don't know how many people really watched the Astros and the Mariners. It's not like I was locked in. Jackson, I know you're enamored with Seattle's uniforms, but mm. I don't know if that led to you watching. Not as much. All uh, They played 36 innings, but they only played three games. Right. The Astros were very fortunate to win games one and three, and they had to come back also in game two. Point being, you it wasn't far-fetched to have all of the underdogs win. And what would that have done? But now you've had two of the three underdogs win. And what I'm telling you is I think this is going to continue to be an issue. And it's one thing if you have 82 games, and it's certainly a total different deal if you have 17 games. But when you have 162 games and you're trying to talk up uh, the importance of regular season play because now everybody's got a chance because of six teams going to the playoffs, and then it just becomes essentially a crapshoot, that's a tough sell. Yep. To fans. That is a tough sell to fans. Yep. And so why I loved baseball growing up wasn't just the style the Cardinals were playing with the stolen bases, but that if you got to the playoffs, you were on the verge of a championship. Right. And the Cardinals won the division. I'm like, okay, that's great. I knew that was going to happen in August. But now you got to get through. They're not going to be at one of the top two seeds, so they got to navigate this random ass best of three series. Who's the worst team in baseball? I guess the Nationals, Nationals the A's. Nationals, A's. If you said, okay, you can get the Cardinals and bet, take your pick of whatever dollar figure in a best of three against any team, I wouldn't want to bet it because it's just a variance festival. And over the course of a seven-game series, the variance is reduced. I don't know what their long-term solution for it is, but clearly they initially thought that that was not the right format because baseball did have LCSs that were best of five. That went all the way through 84. The first ever... Best of seven was the Cardinals and Dodgers in 1985, and on the other side, the Blue Jays and the Royals. But when the Cardinals beat the Braves in 1982, they swept them. But they didn't sweep them in four. They swept them in three because it was a best of five. And baseball said, well, this isn't a true determination of the better team, so we right. need to go to best of seven. Okay, cool. Now we're on best of threes and then best of fives. So if you want the best teams to get there and not the team who got hot the right week, after playing 35 weeks of baseball, then they're going to have to tend to this playoff structure. And so therefore, tonight, in a game that I otherwise wouldn't really care all that much about, I am a Guardians fan because I think it could help impact a change to baseball's playoff structure, which I was interested to see going into how it would play out. And unfortunately, it's played out how I suspected, which is 
a lot of luck, a lot of who's playing right at the right time, and not about who had the best six-month season. Your thoughts are welcome, 65780-65780. And you, of course, are welcome to leave a mock drop via the 101 ESPN app. Blues heading to Seattle today for a West Coast road trip. It starts with the Kraken tomorrow night. Chris Kerber will join us coming up next. This is Balloon Party on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. It's time for Curbside. He shoots, they score! With the voice of the blues, Chris Kerber. They score! Bring out the by Randall's, St. Louis's number one liquor store. Visit shoprandalls.com. Welcome back, Balloon Party 101 ESPN. Tim McKernan with you to the top of the hour. Action Jackson on the ones and twos, and he is excited about the Warriors. He is excited about the Lakers. He's excited about the Sixers. He's excited about the Celtics. You know what I'm excited about, Jack? The St. Louis Blues and the Seattle Kraken. Yeah. As am I. I don't know. You know, they're not you said yesterday true. you weren't going to stay up to watch it. Oh, there. No, I won't. Chris Kerber, uh, your broadcast partner, uh, doesn't really exhibit the commitment that I personally would like to see. I can't imagine Joey Vitale saying, yeah, I'm not going to stay up to watch the game. I mean, you know, but you tell me, uh, Chris Kerber. Quite surprised. I'm, I'm actually, Tim, quite surprised that we have somebody working for an all-sports station that just blatantly says, no, I'm not going to watch sports. Wow! I love hearing like, it. Like, honestly, like, honestly, I think it's time to go. I mean, I, I can't imagine that doing that job producing for you is all that difficult. <laughs> right. Let's find somebody that actually is committed to uh, to St. Louis sports, to watching it, and that actually gives a damn. If yes! Really Jackson, I mean, you are up against okay. the ropes. I mean, how are you going to respond to this? The voice of the blues coming after you. I mean, am I wrong here, Tim, or, or what am I thinking? I mean, I don't. I mean, he's, he's all excited. I mean, I, I guarantee he's going to be up all night reviewing Lakers what, and Warriors and Celtics yeah, and Sixers highlights. Go move to Philadelphia or L.A. Yeah. Like, I mean, yeah, just you go, go chase your dream, my man. <laughs> Take that. Take oh, boy. that. I've been putting my place. Yeah, I mean, you just have the voice of the Blues. Just, I mean, you just landed a couple uppercuts. It's Jackson's be on the ground. It's going to be awkward in the booth together, Curbs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, no, that is true. Well, we do need somebody to come vacuum the floor, so I'm sure we got some <laughs> Chris Kerber with us here. Hey, Good morning, uh, fellas. It's, Good morning, it's always wonderful to have you on the program and talk it over. <laughs> what, a, what a weird deal the start to the season is. It was already kind of annoying that it didn't start until Saturday, and then it's like, okay, Saturday, and then let's sit another few uh, days and then get back after it. Uh, from, a, from a flow standpoint, uh, I recognize, I suppose, this is in part strategic on the part of the organization, the NHL. But uh, what is your observation? No, I, I don't. I don't think it's anything real strategic. If the schedule comes out, and one of the challenges that you have is in, in a lot of these buildings is, you know, like like the, Blue, the Blues had a very busy week. There were three events at Enterprise Center last week, and that really kind of prevented, uh, I, I think, uh, being able to open it. You know, during the week there. Now you could have opened on the road. And I guess the schedule just didn't do it. So by the time we drop the puck on Wednesday night, there will be three teams that will have played five games already. And the Blues will be just playing two. It's weird. It's an anomaly. Uh, you know, I, I don't think there's anything real strategic to it. What happens when the schedule comes out, the general managers and the teams get to look at it. And they will talk with some other teams. And you might see two or three games 
they'll change. Like a team may look and say, wait a minute. Yeah. This, this road trip looks absolutely insane. We come home for one, we go back on another one. Let's work with the league and try and get a couple things changed. And that happens, but not a whole lot with the schedule change uh, changes uh, from when they release it. That's interesting. I was under the impression, this is why I use it, the term strategic, that both the Cardinals and the Blues try to avoid getting in spots where they have home games on the same days or nights, and that also the Cardinals don't want to have home games too many early on. Now, part of that's weather, but also Blues playoffs, and that the Blues don't want to risk the Cardinals possibly being in the playoffs, and that that's where I'm coming from with strategic and so you won't see as many cardinal home games in april and as many blues home games relative to other teams in the league in october at least the early portion of the season so well, there, yeah there, there might be there might be a little bit of that but you know keep in mind the schedule in a normal situation like it will next summer with the league getting back on track this mm-hmm. year you know the, the schedule next year is going to come out that first or second week of july and at that point i don't know how you so much plan for postseason baseball when you have no idea whether you're going to be a division winner a wild card winner not in the playoffs that kind of thing you can limit the number now the blues have four road games four home games in the month of october so it's an even schedule from that standpoint you you can try to limit it the best you can but it's still going to be the luck of the draw i don't think the blues are saying hey we don't want you know you can try to limit some now i I do believe that there are general managers and coaches and teams out there that for example say now we want to be gone leading into Christmas, or we want to be gone around certain holidays because they tend to be more distractions or whatever. Yeah. Uh, the Blues, I, I do at some point want to talk to the schedule makers with the league and get a better understanding of this because, and and I can go back and do a little more research on this, but it, it feels so much like the Blues are gone. It seems almost every year, leading right up to like say the Christmas three day break. And it's not just that they, they're not playing in Nashville and they're not playing in Chicago, you know, where it's a 45-minute flight or home or, or Minnesota where it's, you know, an hour and 15 minutes or Columbus even. They're playing in Vegas where it's a three-hour flight yeah. home, you're losing the hour, and you're getting home at 4 in the morning on Christmas Eve. And for the life of me, I don't understand why the league does that kind of thing. But whether it be certain trips around Thanksgiving, Christmas, All-Star break, there's this matrix of teams you, you typically play around there, uh, and and it doesn't seem to change much. So whether that's just weird luck planned, I have no idea. But it is there is certain anomalies. It, 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 i got to tell you, I'm looking at the schedule now, and starting on December 15th, it's five straight games out on the West Coast, and you guys won't return, like you said, until probably 3, 4 in the morning on Christmas Eve because you're out right. in Las and, Vegas. And then look at, uh, I think, uh, go, going into the teams in Tampa for Thanksgiving, uh, during that uh, break, and and that's not unusual. Being gone, you know, during the Thanksgiving holiday, is 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 not unusual. We've been in Dallas, we've been in Minnesota, we've been in Arizona before. We've been, I mean, we've been all over the place around that one. But then, if you look around, kind of all star breaks. Now, the Blues have a favorable one this year, I think, when it comes to that. But uh, typically, it's a similar kind of thing. You're like, okay, they're coming home from Calgary, or they're coming home from Edmonton, and it's 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 never just a divisional opponent, and it's just a it's a weird quirk, I guess. Boy, that is, uh, yeah, it's a nice little home schedule though in that week between Christmas and New Year's, with a Tuesday night game against the Leafs and a Thursday night game against the Blackhawks and New Year's Eve, a little earlier start. Yeah. Against uh, against the Wild, what did you think of uh, of game number one in the books? Tarasenko with a couple goals, Bennington withstanding it for the most part, minus the 18 seconds in the second period. Uh, what was your biggest takeaway from what we saw on Saturday to start the season? You know, I, th- I thought it was really a, a 
I thought it was a, a good, strong game for the St. Louis Blues. They came out. Uh, they really dominated the first period. The second period, typical of what you seem to see from the St. Louis Blues when they dominate the first period. To come out loose in the second, I think it's going to be a great game of pond hockey. And then normally they get punched in the mouth and give up a couple goals. And managing two goal leads for whatever reason it feels over the last few years, and this might be quite typical around the NHL right now, but just seems to be a bit of a challenge uh, for this Blues team. But they did it. They found a way to get the win. And you know what? Uh, they recovered in the third period. I thought Jordan Bennington played pretty well. I really like the looks of, you know, how the power play, you know, seemed to wheel the puck around. I thought it was outstanding and very telling that one of your penalty-killing duos as a forward were Nathan Walker and Alexei Toropchenko. You had all three fourth-line players in that game take good penalty-killing shifts, not just the final 10 seconds of a penalty kill. Uh, things along those kind of lines. I, I thought there was a lot to build on, and then a couple more days practice, and we'll see how it goes in Seattle. Do you see more potential battles in the lineup, for instance? Can a guy like Neighbors or Torpchenko continue to threaten someone in the top six, or is that level just set based on the people that are on those lines right now? No, I think that uh, I think you will always have some level of competition internally, even within, say, the 18 players or skaters that are in a lineup for a given game. If Jordan Cairo is having an off night, maybe they decide to slide Jake Neighbors up there. Maybe it's uh, you know Ivan Barbashev that, that, that moves up the line. If they want a little more physicality on that left side with Ryan O'Reilly, does Barbashev go up to the left side? Can you get Alexei Toropchenko a shift or two? And that's one of the great things, Tim, in my opinion, with the way this team is built, is that they have the ability to move pieces around like that and not overly impact this roster or, or the game plan too much. And that's they're, they're a team of Swiss Army knives. You know, guys, so many guys that can play different positions and on, and on different lines. And like we've talked about many a times, the positive thing is you've got, you've got three lines that could be anyone could interpret as your top line on a given night. I mean, look, Braden Shen is centering that third line. You have a 60-point player in Ivan Barbashev on that third line. A 60-point player on your third line. I mean, that's that, that's quite amazing. And then your fourth line is centered by a guy that just two years ago scored 20 goals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is amazing when you look at that. And that, that that's the kind of thing that I think gets people excited, even with the loss of Perron, that you have the variety of different options with so many different players on this team. We will get a good chance to see it here as they will finally pick up the pace starting tomorrow night, back-to-back games here, uh, beginning with the Kraken. And you can hear everything on 101 ESPN with the voice of the Blues, Chris Kerber. And your broadcast partner, Joey Vitale. Fifth season now for uh, Joey, right? This is year number five. Year number five. Now, I remember having you on my podcast, and at the time when the decision was made, you were talking about this, and you just, for lack of a better term, had a feeling. You had a read on it. And now, five years later, you'd have to go, yeah, I, I, you know, you got to take credit for it. You you had a feeling, and, and look what's wound up playing out. So let me take you back to then. What was the feeling? Because now you guys have been doing this for five years together and are obviously a hell of a broadcast team. Well, I, I look, you, you, you don't take credit for something like that. You give the credit to the person that earned the job, and that's what, that's what Joey has done. He came in, and that's not an easy position to come in. You're the, you're the guy coming in after Kelly Chase, you know, who's a, who's a legend in the area, was excellent on the air, was a great partner for 18 years, you know, and, and was so loved. And to come in and and he just did it. He fit in so well with our group with Darren Pang and John Kelly, our travel group, and 
and and he's he's worked his butt off. And and I love this is one of my favorite stories to tell about Joe to give fans an idea of the work he does behind the scenes. You know, he shortly after he got this job, he reached out to Joe Micheletti, and Joe Micheletti hand wrote about an eight page letter to Joe about how he thinks the job is done, important things to know about the job, that kind of thing. And and then and then gave it and sent it to Joe. I mean, when when they met for for coffee one day when when Joe Micheletti was in town visiting mm-hmm. his family. I mean, so so to, I mean he he sat down with Joe Buck. He sat down with Joe Micheletti. Uh, Joe Micheletti, you know, gave, gave him that letter. There, he's talked to so many different people. He he talks to Darren Pang about you know what it takes to to do this job, and we're and we're learning. And he's made me a better broadcaster in the process. But his humor, his fun. His personality comes through on the radio, and that, that's what makes it so much fun on a nightly basis. Well, we are very fortunate to have the broadcast teams we have here in St. Louis. No question about it. And you'll be able to hear Chris Kerber and Joey Vitale tomorrow night right here on 101 ESPN Blues and Crack and Pregame at 8 p.m. Kerbs, always appreciate the time, sir. Thank you so much. All right, guys. Have an awesome day. And uh, Jackson, sorry to beat up on you a little early. It was too early for that. My apologies. It's all right. I'm used to it. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Curbs. Thanks, Curbs. There's Chris Kerber with us here on 101 ESPN. All right. uh, Coming up, uh, Lil Piddle's arbitrary percentages and knee-jerk reactions. In parentheses, I'll explain more if we go to it. Yep. I don't know how pre-pro is going to get done with that, but that's a little that's a little wordy. It's a little verbose for a yeah. segment. You know, think you'll fit on the Chiron. Welcome to <laughs> Little Piddle's arbitrary percentages and knee-jerk reactions. I'll explain more if we go to it. Sounds like j- sweet jazz is what I just heard <laughs> come out of your mouth. Uh, that is uh, that is coming up, uh, as well as something that I realize I realize. It could sound like Jackson is trying to insert the NBA into the conversation, but I actually see what you're doing, and it's Charles Barkley getting... I saw he's making at least $100 million, but it could be $200 million. I feel like it's kind of like covering a wide delta right. from Andrew Marchand of the New York Post, but he just signed. And the point being on the importance of that TNT show, we talked about the TNT show with, with Shaq and Kenny the Jet and Ernie Johnson and, of course, Charles Barkley with Pang last week about what they're trying to do with TNT's hockey coverage and how they are instilling those personalities in there and what they're doing with the broadcast. And so Jackson has a question on that. Uh, is it like lightning in a bottle, or is it something that can be replicated across a multitude of networks? That coming up as well. You are listening to Balloon Party on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Welcome back to Blue Party 101 ESPN. Tim McKernan, Action Jackson with you on the program. Program that welcomes your involvement. 65780. Chris Kerber with us in the previous segment. Blues and Kraken tomorrow night. Pre-game at 8 p.m. right here on 101 ESPN. Well, it's time to play what has become, I think, a tradition in St. Louis sports radio. Lil Piddle's arbitrary percentages and knee-jerk reactions. I'll explain more if we go to it. <laughs> yep. What is this thing? I'll explain more if we go to it. The knee-jerk is that, reaction. Is that you communicating with me, and it's not supposed to be read? Well, that might be the case, but either Ron way. reads anything you put in the prompter. You know that, You're right? And I think it's just better to discuss it on the air. Okay. What um, is it? So what does this mean? So it's like you know, 
I, I present you a topic and I just want to like six different arbitrary percentages are requested. No, so three are percentages, three are reactions. Oh. This is, I mean, I mean, I'm really working. Wow. I, the, my creative juices were flowing last night. Wow. And so I kind of want your take. It's and it's not necessarily local topics on the reactions. I just, you know, I think it's fun to the first thing that pops in your head. Okay, fair enough. Vladimir Tarasenko will be a member of the Blues for the entirety of the season. That is a percentage. That's a percentage. Um, 95%. Yeah, I'm kind of 90%. All right. Especially after that. I mean, that first game, he was looked awesome. So that's, that's, so that's, that would be a knee jerk reaction because of what the blues wouldn't have been able to put up some goals in the third period. And the blue jackets have carried the momentum of the second period over and they lost your percentage would have dropped. Is that what you're telling me? Maybe. Okay. All right. That's why you call it a knee jerk reaction. Therefore I can't call you out on calling it a knee jerk reaction. This one's also a percentage. Jordan Bennington will be the blue starting goaltender if they make the playoffs. Well, 95%. Right, but we probably. What are we doing here? Well, we probably said the same exact thing. I'll be wearing lifts tomorrow. 95%. (laughs) I mean, these are things we all know. What's the 5%? What are you allowing for? If I'm wearing some shoes that just aren't as accommodating for my lifts, (laughs) but at this point, all of my shoes are essentially like stilettos. (laughs) If Uh, I weren't wearing lifts, you wouldn't be able to see me. That's right. It's very true. I've seen you without them. It's startling. Um, What I would say is, Benner, we probably would have said the same thing last year in game one against. I shouldn't have said against, because now I have to think back. The Wild. The Minnesota Wild. The Minnesota Wild. The Minnesota Wild. If this was dead air for the next 20 minutes, then so be it. The Minnesota Wild. Billy Husso started game one against the Minnesota Wild. So, uh, maybe... As was expected, by the way. Expected. At that time. Right, exactly. Right, but you're talking about because he slumped in the middle of the season. Right, so do we see... It's essentially, do you think he'll have another slump? I would tell you this, that... Unlike Billy Husso, I don't think the Blues are necessarily looking at Thomas Grice as a upside potential right. future so. guy. He's a 36-year-old backup. Right. That's not a move that they would make. And Bennington's situation and, and Husso's situation is different. So I get what you're saying. I understand what you're saying. So therefore, my point would be, you said if the Blues, uh, Jordan Bennington will be the Blues starting goaltender if they make the playoffs. I would tell you they don't make the playoffs if Jordan Bennington is not the starting goaltender. Do you see what I'm saying? That's exactly what I was looking for out of this wow. today. That's exactly what I was looking for. Wow. I, I was looking know. For, you're the puppet master. I, I didn't was looking for that. that. And that was, yes, 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 yes. Wow. Who would have known that Lil Piddle's arbitrary percentages and knee-jerk reactions, I'll explain more if we go to it, is actually a mind game. This is, this this is, is like a Playing chess in here. Who this knew? is going so well. Uh, next one is a percentage. Mizzou covers the 15 and a half point spread against Vandy this weekend. Oh man, I don't. Yeah. Well, you wrote it. You can't be surprised by this. No, I know, but I've just, I've just been going. <laughs> I've just been going so back and forth because to win, I don't think Mizzou can be a lot of teams by two touchdowns. The issue for me is the offense. Right. Now this sounds contrarian. But I actually do view Missouri as making progress in every facet of the game on one side of the football. Yep. Such substantial process progress year over year on defense. Stunning versus where it was. And I'm not just talking about Kentucky in September of last year. I'm not just talking about letting Boston College drive down the field and win a game last year. Uh, I'm talking about for them to be as good as they have been defensive. I could have never seen that coming. The thing that's keeping them from being 5-1 and one and dead serious, as crazy as this sounds, a top 10 team in the country, if they're 5-1 and one with a win over Georgia, they are a top 10 team in the country. Yep is the quarterback position. Now, don't get me wrong, you have offensive line and you've had some wide receiver injuries, 
But Eli Drinkwitz went into the season with Brady Cook as his quarterback, and it wasn't his goal. He just couldn't land anybody in the portal, and now you've got what you've got. And so, because the offense is so lackluster, I agree with exactly what you're saying. I think they win, but can they put up enough points that they can win by 16 or more and cover that 15-and-a-half number? And that's the decision. Yeah, and they also struggle to close out games, too. So, so if, they're going if I have fourth. to bet, I'm taking Vanderbilt. Not because I necessarily think Vanderbilt's going to win, but I just think that's a big number for a team with a bad offense. Yeah, I that's agree. That's the reasoning. I don't know the spread in the first half, but it seems to me in Auburn— Seven-and-a-half. Seven-and-a-half. I would think Vandy would actually be more likely to cover the seven and a half in the first half because Mizzou, especially defensively, feels like they take about a quarter and some change to warm up. And once they get into a rhythm, they look really, really good. Obviously, Georgia, was that was not the case. But Auburn, Florida, similarly, I just feel like once they get going, they have a better chance of winning. So I think the first half number Vandy covers, I think second half Mizzou can kind of break away. I'm going to insert this one into Lil Piddle's arbitrary percentages and knee-jerk reactions. I'll explain more if we go to it. Because oh. I asked Kerry Davis this as we were coming in, and he was heading out. I said, what do you think about Illinois and Michigan? And I know it's not taking place for about a month. I think it might be a month a day or a month and a day away. November 19th in Ann Arbor. It's going to be cold. Because I am on a quest for Illinois to get coverage. And I'm a Missouri guy, but yeah. I just I look at it's good business. It's good business. Agreed. That's what we're all about the business. Uh, and uh, of course, Kerry Davis, former ILL, he goes, I'll be able to answer that question with more confidence after the Purdue game. I said, Fair enough, sir. That's I respect fair. that. He's going to gain some more information. Um, but I mean, you got a team in the top 25 that, yeah, it might not be pretty, but they're doing it with defense themselves. And. Their schedule's pretty favorable until they get to Ann Arbor. So I am legitimately intrigued by that, especially and, if somebody played for him and won a Super Bowl. Right. You know, he's got knowledge as opposed to me. I got cut from the freshman team at the U High, and that was that. Uh, so uh, Jackson, quick point on Illinois too, as oh, well. Wow. Well, Look just at this. I, I and like I, I know like they're going to Ann Arbor, and it's going to be cold. It's going to be November, but like if you're ranking like toughest environments, like the Big House obviously seats a ton of people. But I've heard stories and I've heard firsthand testimonials that like. It's hard to play him, but it's not it's not the horseshoe. It's not playing at is oh, Alabama, is right? Bryant Denny or some of the other like SEC schools or even some like Penn State. Like it's not the same as it. it doesn't get as loud. It isn't as intense. So it's not out of the realm of possibility for Illinois to walk into Ann Arbor and give them a tough game. Oh my goodness. Can you imagine? That'd Illinois, be awesome. Ohio State. Oh my God, that would be outstanding. Uh reaction. Christian McCaffrey may be on the move. Comma thoughts? Question mark. Was this was this was done by one of our interns? I assume this one here. Christian McCaffrey may be on the move. Comma thoughts. Well, you know, I'm just kind of thinking. I'll I'll give my take on it. I guess um, Matt Rule just got canned, and you so uh, it's clear. they don't feel real bullish on their operation in Charlotte. No, so you can get rid of or get a lot of stuff back, and you still get high return for a 26 year old running back, which the clock is ticking with multiple injuries, and you can still get a great haul. Like to me, it makes perfect sense, and from a team maybe like the Bills or another contender to add someone like Christian McCaffrey. Sounds like you're selling your stock on Devin Singletary. Oh, if the Bills got Christian McCaffrey, can you imagine? Right, and and maybe not even imagine? so much as like a running back, but like as a secondary pass catcher and like using him in so many different gadget packages, like I think that would be great. So it's a win-win. I think that a lot, like some people are out there like, why would the Panthers get rid of their franchise? But 
running backs have sh- such a short I, shelf life. I, I, I personally, I, I have absolutely no affiliation with the Carolina Panthers. I can't imagine many people in the area do. I'm still upset about Jason Seahorn's jockstrap being emblazoned into the 45-yard line at the Dome uh, by Steve Smith. That uh, th- this would be a wonderful move for the Panthers. Right. It's a no-brainer. I am a big advocate of buying when you have a championship opportunity and selling when you don't. That's how you win championships. 100%. And sometimes teams are hesitant because they don't want the bad PR about it, but they're not going anywhere. They are very warm garbage with him. Yeah. It doesn't matter. I mean, exactly. P.J. Waller was the quarterback this week, and they're kind of like, this might not be bad in comparison <laughs> to Baker May- Mayfield. Uh, so I am, I'm, I'm all for it, if that is the question. Uh, a report says 70% of NFL fans say concussions do not impact their interests. Thoughts? So I see a theme here. This should be called Thoughts. Yeah, knee-jerk reaction. Um, My knee-jerk reaction to that is I'm surprised that even uh, the 30% people say that they did. I don't think people think about it at all. Right, right. I'm sure, I guess you got to allocate a handful of percentage points, but... Occupational hazard, in a sense. Yeah, like, I mean, do, do Blues fans think about watching the game tomorrow night on the off chance somebody gets a concussion? I recognize they're more prevalent in the NFL. My point being... You know, and somebody gets hit by a ball in baseball, it's going 100 miles an hour. Right. I just, I don't, I, so what, what are you, where are you going with So that? I guess my, what my thoughts on it is like, yeah, I agree. Like it, it doesn't necessarily impact my interest, but the way that they've handled it, especially recently when they've been in the headlines with Tua and some other guys is, is very concerning and what players deal with after the fact. So no, like the direct, like the act of football causing con- concussions doesn't impact my interest, but the way the NFL handles it does impact. Oh, well, like, the NFL being disingenuous is the NFL's brand. Right. So from that standpoint, that's a different question to me. Okay. The NFL, like me thinking the NFL is a scumbag cartel also, which is probably more along the lines of where you're going with it. Uh, I'm, of course, thinking of the way they manipulate what happened here in St. Louis, but across the board with, with crap. I mean, I, I, I've been observing the Dan Snyder thing well before the story that came out last week. If you don't think they are trying to get him out, oh, big time! It's been so obvious. I, I feel like I'm watching House of Cards, the football <laughs> edition. Yeah. House of Cards, the uh, White House, Kevin Spacey, uh, Robin Wright Penn television series on Netflix. Like it's so obvious what they are doing. Yep. The thing is, Snyder's so stubborn, he just will not go. Yeah, he'll lose money before. Yes, he ever he's gets... one of those guys, yeah. and so it's clear. So I just you watch it, and you, I, you can kind of see the moves. Yep. Um, so from that standpoint, yeah, I watch it for entertainment, not because I'm like, hold on a second. These are upstanding citizens involved in this affair. <laughs> yeah. uh, and then finally, Mizzou Hoops is ranked at 41 in the preseason. Ken Palm, your thoughts? Uh, well, I think that I am high on Dennis Gates, and I have been high on Dennis Gates, and I'm excited about that. Yeah, I'm, I'm in the rare camp of being high on Dennis. Well, now I guess everybody's really low on Eli Drinkwitz. I think I might be higher on Eli Drinkwitz now than Mizzou fans who were really <laughs> high on Eli Drinkwitz a month and a half ago. Yeah. But not to say that I'm high on him, but I see progress. Yeah. Well, definitely on the defensive I, side. I, yeah, I, I mean, overall, there truly are a handful of snaps away from being 5-1, and one, and I can't ignore that. I realize they didn't win the games, and I just buy into Dennis Gates. Yep. I do. Agreed. So I, I'm, I'm happy to see it. I'm surprised to see them that high. That's Agreed. my real answer. And St. Louis U is 39, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yeah. Great. And I think and most people would say, well, St. Louis U has much higher expectations this year than Missouri does, so that's surprising time. to see them that close. Yeah, St. Louis U is going to be really good. And I, I think Mizzou has just 
a lot of potential. Uh, there it is. Uh, Lil Piddle's arbitrary percentages and knee-jerk reactions. I'll explain more if we go to it. <laughs> uh, we'll take a break, and we'll come back with what Action Jackson asked about these broadcast teams and Charles Barkley getting $100 million or $200 million. That's not Jackson. <laughs> that's Andrew Marchand for signing an extension with TNT. That is next here on Balloon Party 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Welcome back to Blue Party 101 ESPN. Tim McCurden, Action Jackson with you, BK and Ferrario at the top of the hour. And uh, we welcome you to get involved on the show. Did I break my headphones? I Jackson, sure did not. I break my headphones? Hope not. I assume my mic's on because there would probably be some semblance of panic if it... It's on. Maybe there'd be a comfort level from the audience, but... <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I can't hear him. I dropped him. God bless America. I don't know. We'll do He's, some diagnostics. Oh, I got it. I got it. Cord was... It's great radio. Host can't figure out if microphone or headphones are working. Please podcast. <laughs> uh, here's what Jackson asks. TNT has just announced that the four hosts of Inside the NBA are getting long-term extensions. In parentheses, I'm so fired up. A lot of parentheses in Jackson's email today. Uh, My question is one we have discussed before on TMA, but how come other sports or networks cannot seem to replicate the magic that Ernie Johnson, Shaquille O'Neal, Kenny the Jet, and Charles Barkley have had on TNT? Is there simply not enough personality in other sports, or do the players who have the personality just not want to do it? Do you think TNT has lightning in a bottle, or do you think this kind of model can and will be replicated across a multitude of networks? Well, here is my answer to your question. And maybe maybe this is a thing where the fact that I'm 20 years older than you uh, is, is the reason why I view it this way. But I would tell you the original show that actually was the grandfather of what TNT has, both with the NBA and what they're trying to recreate with the NHL, is Fox NFL Sunday. And I believe the original Charles Barkley was was Terry Bradshaw. Right. Now, Terry Bradshaw certainly does not have the Q factor, uh, or Q rating, that, um, that Barkley does. Barkley is the ultimate, hey, we're starting a podcast, let's get him on guy. Yeah. Yep. Um, and Shaq's probably number two on that list. Yes, if he's willing to do it. Barkley right. certainly seems to be more willing to do it. But the, I don't believe, it's kind of like, who would have thought we'd be talking American Idol on today's program, but I don't believe American Idol ever turns into what it turned into if you didn't have Simon Cowell. Right. It's the personality you tune in for yep. on the show. And even though you go, well, it's about a singing competition, but it was Simon Cowell who made Fox NFL Sunday, and that was when Fox took the NFL from CBS, and it was a huge deal back in the early 1990s, predating you. And they were going to do it differently. It had kind of been a staid style of broadcast. And their pregame show was a big part of that. And Bradshaw being kind of this character and the dynamic of the the gentleman on the desk, and I believe it's been Howie Long and Jimmy Johnson, yep. and it was James Brown initially, who's now on CBS, along with Bradshaw. I think that's right. I'm sure if I'm wrong, uh, somebody will text in. Many people will text in and correct me, which is great. Um, but that, the, that dynamic of we're going to sit there, and I don't know if I can use this phrase on 101. I'd use it on TMA, but give each other trouble. Right. Bust bees. Yeah. Was what made it work. Yeah. 
And then CBS did like this cheap ripoff of it. And anytime they're going coming up at the half, and then they're like all tossing a football and playing grab ass in the <laughs> studio. And I go, you, you know, this is what they do on Fox. And you right. guys don't have the personalities. Like Bill Cowher isn't a grab ass guy. Right. You know, but did, Terry Bradshaw is. And Jimmy Johnson might not be, but because he's with his buddies, and I know he's close with, with Bradshaw and Howie Long, uh, that it, when then they did bring in Strahan, that it, that it works. And that, to me, is the ingredient. Now, you have to have the right personalities, but that's the ingredient where you feel comfortable giving each other trouble. So locally, for example, if I could take it from a local standpoint, what we're talking about with a national discussion, if you knew, because we were talking about the Manning cast, if you knew, and, and listen, I just said it to Chris Kerber 20 minutes ago, we are so lucky when it comes to uh, what we have with broadcasting. Agreed, yep. Um, but if you knew that, especially like on a random game, let's say the Blues already wrapped up whatever seed it is, and it's April and they're playing whomever, you know, some rando team that isn't going anywhere, and the game kind of means nothing. But there was going to be like a Manning cast with Kelly Chase and Brett Hall. Mm. Oh, my God. That would be awesome. Can you imagine? That would be so you see awesome. see what I'm saying? So there is a recipe that works, but then you have to have the right personalities to execute the plan. And that's where the Charles Barkley factor comes in. The other thing that is so important is to not give a damn. Yeah. Once you don't care, you become invincible. Yep. I would tell any... Better get any business, actually. That I know, which I know sounds counterintuitive, especially broadcasting. If you don't care, then you're going to be honest, and authenticity is what resonates with an audience. Yep. And so, Barkley doesn't care. They fire Barkley. They go, okay. Yeah, he's been. He kind it of, doesn't matter. Yeah. Shaquille O'Neal's doing just fine. I think Shaquille O'Neal's made more money outside of basketball than inside of it with all of his endorsements. 100%, yeah. So they, that then leads to just honesty. So, yeah, like if I if this were my first job ever in St. Louis, balloon party, a one-on-one, mm-hmm. I think I'd be still be in therapy from our first 24, 48 hours. <laughs> but I'm like, ah, if they get rid of us, I don't really care. I got TMA. It's where I make all my money anyway. Right. So whatever. I don't care. So I'm just like, all right, so this is what I'm going to say. I don't care. If you like it, you like it. If you don't, you don't. It doesn't matter. Yeah. And that is why that thing works. It's the same. Howie Long doesn't need that money. Jimmy Johnson lives in the Keys. If anything, it's a pain in the ass to go over there. So sometimes during the holidays, they're like, Jimmy's set up at his studio at home because he just doesn't (laughs) want to do it. Right. So that, to me, is the reason why it works. I do think it can work elsewhere, but you're right. You have to find the right personalities. Charles Barkley is the ultimate. But that's why I look at Adam Wainwright, who's certainly a different kind of personality than Barkley. But Wainwright, even when playing, and I still think he's playing, but even when playing, would say things that I'm sure some people in the front office and around baseball go, oh, God, did he really say that? But the audience loves it because they know he's being honest with them. Right. And they appreciate that. So that's why I view Wainwright as a potential guy in that kind of mold of Barkley. Not like Barkley, but a guy who could be dangerous, for lack of a better term, in broadcasting because he's honest. And that's what resonates with an audience. Time for us to shut it down. BK and Ferrario up next. This is Balloon Party on 101 ESPN. You've been listening to the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Membership fees apply after free trial. Cancel any time. Can I be real with you for a second? That goal you have to exercise and eat better, you really can do it. But nobody is going to do it for you. Nobody is going to push you out of bed to work out. Nobody is going to make you eat better. But here's the thing. Nobody has to. 
because you can do it if you have the right tools and a community that cares about helping you get results. And that's us, Beachbody. Two and a half million people, each doing the Beachbody program that fits our own goals. Over 80 to choose from, some that take just 20 minutes a day. Nutrition plans that teach you how to eat healthy and still enjoy food. What we all have in common is we know it's not easy, so we help each other. It's as convenient as your TV or laptop, but you need to decide that you're worth it. That's why I'm inviting you to try our amazing Beachbody fitness and nutrition programs. Let us help you succeed. Here's Al. Go to Beachbody.com to claim your free membership and start feeling great.